Hello, beautiful people. You're listening to the Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, and I'm your host, Erin Martin, a certified neurohealth coach, and emotions are my jam. This podcast will empower you to feel in control instead of overwhelmed. I share a mix of brain science, coaching, and holistic lifestyle and nutrition advice, and my goal is to help you positively impact your ability for mental resilience and emotional flexibility, because we could all use a little or a lot more of that. Let's get into it. Episode 7, Part 2 of How to Be an Empowered Storyteller in Your Own Life. Hey everyone, here we are at Part 2 of the episode, How to Be an Empowered Storyteller in Your Own Life. You do it for other people, it's time to do it for yourself too. Last week, I gave you some background information on the brain and the conscious and subconscious mind that I think will help you to wrap your head around how to tell yourself better stories. Did anybody catch my pun? (laughs) Uh, And when I say better, what I mean is more useful because an empowering story is above all else a useful story to get you unstuck from where you are and back into action. Today, I want to share a three-step strategy for becoming an empowered storyteller in your own life. It's going to seem pretty logical, guys, but here goes. The three steps I'm going to discuss today are honor how you feel, detach from your current story, and then create a new empowering version for yourself using a very compelling coaching tool called cognitive reappraisal, also known as reframing. One, two, three, easy peasy. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Step number one is honor how you feel. Before you decide to go and change anything, rewriting any stories for yourself, honor the feeling that is there to begin with. Recognizing how you feel is the most integral step to empowering yourself. Because without that, everything else I'm going to tell you is basically just a short-term solution for an uncomfortable feeling that you are having, okay? And we don't want that. We're not just trying to swap out stories for something that sounds more positive or optimistic. We wanna honor how we feel to begin with before we do anything else. I want you to be able to create stories that you can lean on and breathe life into through your actions. And in order to do that, you have to honor what's there to begin with. What emotions that you are feeling is vital to identify because your story follows your state. This is a core concept of polyvagal theory, if you're familiar with that. If not, no worries. I will go into it in a further episode. And so story follows state. That means that whatever state your nervous system is in, and to simplify, it's parasympathetic or sympathetic of the autonomous, autonomic nervous system. So that's stress or safety, basically. That will influence and inform your thinking. You basically lose power over your thinking to your nervous system when it's activated. It's very hard to create an empowering story from a defensive state, from fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. I really recommend getting to know what cues happen to your body when your nervous system is triggered so that you can catch it when it's happening. Like so often we're in a state of trigger in our nervous system and we don't even really realize it. 
And that's the problem is then all of the stories that you hear yourself say, they all sound very true and real. Meanwhile, you're not the one that's really thinking them. They're coming from your nervous system state looking to validate itself. So some common noticeable signs um, or cues in the body of a stressed or dysregulated nervous system are increased heart rate, uh, more shallow, quick breathing, sweating or like a flushed face, an upset stomach. Often people get digestive troubles. The experience of tunnel vision, uh, forgetfulness or struggling to remember things, increased alertness, maybe feeling a bit edgy or anxious. Okay, these are just some common ones. Maybe you heard yourself in some of them. If not, maybe just think right now, what kind of body cues do you notice when you get into a state of stress? So being present with what you're feeling will tip you off as to what state your nervous system might be in. If you notice, okay, I feel angry right now, and then you notice I have a flushed face, my muscles are clenched, I'm having a lot of like anxious racing thoughts, you're probably in a state of fight. And guess what? The stories that you're going to hear in your head will have an aggressive, defensive, or maybe argumentative tone, like a I'm right and they're wrong sort of, sort of energy. If you feel overwhelmed and you have symptoms such as quick, shallow breathing, a sense of increased alertness, or a, a sense that you want to run away, like you do, you're trapped, you have to get out, get away, whatever, then you're probably in a state of flight. And all of your stories are going to maybe be giving you seemingly logical reasons as to why you need to leave, break up, quit your job, etc. So I say this because I hate to tell you, that doesn't mean those stories are true. Remember, your stories are separate from your facts. They are a perception. And in this case, they're your nervous system's perception. Awareness precedes any change. So the reason that you want to honor how you feel is so that you can observe what's happening in your body and observe what's going on in your head. When you take the time to acknowledge, validate, and process whatever feelings are happening in your body, and I'm going to go into emotional processing next, it's part of honoring how you feel, their intensity will begin to lessen because you are creating your own container of safety. But if you don't know that you're activated, how would you know to do that, right? You are essentially self-parenting in those moments. Most of the trauma that our nervous system experience and then learn how to adjust to is from childhood. So essentially when you're stressed, it's your inner child that is stressed. I hope that doesn't sound too woo-woo for anybody, but I want you to think of it like that. Your nervous system is the nervous system of a wounded child. It is your responsibility now to provide for them what you so desperately needed back then which was to be acknowledged, to be respected, to feel heard, and to feel loved and supported. When you remind yourself, aka your inner child, that while uncomfortable, it is physically safe to feel these sensations, your resilience and confidence in managing them will strengthen, I promise, because you'll show yourself and your body that everything is okay. When you ignore, project, shove down, or distract yourself from your physical experience, that only creates further stress down the line. It validates that, yes, there is a problem. Being overreactive, for example, is nothing more than a response to repeatedly buried emotions, an undercared for nervous system. 
Eventually, all of that energy, it has to go somewhere and erupts like a volcano. Imagine if each time someone came to you upset and stressed, you just waved your hand in their face and told them, shut up and go away. That is essentially what we do to ourselves until we learn how to cope properly. Your emotions are not enemies, guys. And the feelings in your body that can be uncomfortable with your nervous system are also not your enemy. Your nervous system is incredible. So, so useful every single state that it can go into. But sometimes it can get triggered in ways that are inappropriate to the situation actually, right? Because it reminds us of something. Somebody reminds us of something or some situation is familiar to a situation that we had when we were young. And it's difficult for sure to learn how to manage your nervous system, but it's totally possible. It just requires a lot of kind of presence and mindfulness with your situation, getting to know what are your triggers and then what are the cues that start to happen in your body? Because the quicker that you can get in front of them, the better. Your ability to guide your body from a state of stress into a state of safety, that's where all of your storytelling superpowers lay. Because safety is a place where we feel connected, we feel a sense of community, we feel a sense of trust. That's where all of your creative powers lay because you are, have access to your higher cognitive abilities. Whereas when we're in a state of nervous system stress, it's all about survival. The brain doesn't care about the cognition as much. Now, this is a skill that you were most likely never taught as a kid, but thankfully as an adult, you can learn. And that's what we're doing right now. A keen ability to self-regulate is at the heart of emotional health. Since everything cascades down from there, story follows state. This is why it is our first step. One of my favorite ways to self-regulate is by concentrating on slowing down my breath, particularly the exhale. Your nervous system regulates your breathing, actually. So when you calm your breathing, it signals a sense of safety to the brain. Because the brain says, well, I'm breathing like everything is safe and chill. So everything must be safe and chill. And your thoughts will begin to calm down as well. The, this is called a bottom-up approach to healing, where we're going from body to brain. And the one that I recommend is something called the 557 breath. You breathe in for five, counting. You hold at the top for five, and then breathe out for seven. You do that for a total of two minutes. Set an alarm on your phone, maybe. This will put you back into a more parasympathetic state. This is a great exercise to use before sitting down to eat because it helps to calm the body to get your, yourself in the right nervous system for proper digestion. Also, though, it gives your brain something else to think about than coming up with more stories and thoughts to validate the state that your nervous system is in. Kind of like um, when they do the magic shows, what's that called? Redirection. It's kind of like redirection for your brain. Now, a top-down approach would be going from brain to body, and that would be things like practicing meditation or mindfulness in order to strengthen mental flexibility. And listen, five minutes a day is all you need to start noticing a difference. Truly, it seems insignificant, but trust me, you will start to notice a difference in your ability to manage your reaction time. And everybody can do five minutes, I know. Having the awareness of your nervous system state 
will set you up to do something called processing emotions. I just mentioned it briefly. And this is kind of, I guess, part step one of honoring your emotions has two is a twofold. First, honor your nervous system. And now next, we're going to honor how you feel. So that is processing emotions. And it's a powerful self-coaching technique. In order to process an emotion, what I mean by that is allow the chemical of the emotion to metabolize in the body. Yes, emotions are actual chemicals in the body. How cool is that? You want to greet your feelings gently, but head on. Don't do anything, just feel. The most productive thing that you can do when you have an uncomfortable feeling is to sit with it and feel it. You know, and ask yourself, what the fuck is that about? (laughs) We think that it's being productive by doing things literally, but feeling is doing something. I want you to, that's a good reframe. To feel is to do something about your emotion. That is where we start to tap into our power of response versus reaction. Find somewhere quiet if possible. Take some slow, deep breaths. Get into your body and feel that emotion as a vibration. Don't label it good or bad. Just experience it. Remind yourself that everything is safe, even if that emotion is painful, and that it's temporary and it will pass. This too shall pass. As you pay attention to your feelings, describe them to yourself in detail, like a narrator. Because emotions are happening in the body. We feel them. What do they feel like? Does it feel like sadness is like a tingling in your face? Resentment feel like prickles in your back? What about their temperature or their color? Did the feelings have a color if you have your eyes closed? What about their texture? Are they smooth, rough? Get very, very detailed. And as you do this, their intensity again will begin to lessen and your ability to think clearly will return. It's really like magic, guys. It's so, so cool that we have the ability to do this. We just never give ourselves a chance and nobody ever teaches us how to do it, right? Your body wants to come back to a state of homeostasis always. It's always looking to get back to a place of balance. So let it. Now, this is definitely an unusual thing to do if you've never done it before. So just have some patience with it. And don't do expect also that your brain is going to be telling you things like, this is stupid. This is dumb. Why are we doing this? Just stick with it and you're going to see. Sometimes even sitting with positive emotions, like things, pleasure essentially, can be difficult if you don't have the capacity to sit with that feeling. Now, there are a lot of people who... As soon as something good happens in their lives, it's like some sort of chaotic or upset happens right away after, maybe in the form of self-sabotage. Maybe you're saying, oh, wow, that's me actually. Or maybe we, you know somebody. I feel like we all do. Like if you come from a, a childhood where, you know, there was a lot of trauma or you didn't really get to experience pleasure much as a child, then your system, when it gets into pleasure as an adult, is going to think that's unfamiliar and therefore dangerous. And you will have a reaction to it to get you back into a place of familiarity, which could be in your stress state of your nervous system. So healing the nervous system is so, so important. It's not something to neglect. Please know what I want you to take from this first step 
is that no matter what, just the simple act of acknowledging your state and your emotional experience without criticism or judgment is an incredibly empowering start in and of itself. If you only take that first step today from the podcast and practice it for the next little bit, that's incredible. It's great. Great, great, great. Okay, step one was bigger than I expected, but you get my main takeaway. Okay, step two, detach from your current story. First, we're going to identify the facts. And this can be more difficult than it sounds because your brain is going to present your current version of the story as the one and only reality. This is how we get stuck for years in lives that we don't like, is by not being able to recognize the neutral facts and then decide to have a perspective change or a new story about them. We just think the same things day in and day out and wonder why the results don't change. Change happens when your stories change, period. So in order to separate facts from story, you do have to get to this place of neutrality. You have to remove your perspective. And then once you have the neutral facts, that will give you some mental and emotional distance from the situation and, you know, a bit of breathing room and you will be able to use those higher cognitive abilities to see it in a different light. In order to change anything in your life, you have to first be able to observe it without bias. You have to accept what is there. You have to accept the reality, quote unquote, of the situation, which are the facts. Because then other options and possibilities can present themselves. Like I like to say to clients that where you are now to where you want to go, the door there is acceptance. Because once you accept it, which is not the same as condoning everybody, but once you accept something, you get to decide what do I want to do about it. But when we resist accepting it, it spends so much of our energy and it's just wasted, basically. We don't have anything left to do anything from, to take any actions from. Part of why it is so necessary to self-regulate and process your emotions is because that does lead to a more neutral headspace, one where your cognitive skills can be accessed. So that's step two, detach and find neutral. Now for step three, create a new empowering story. I am sharing with you a coaching technique called cognitive reappraisal or reframing, where you are essentially coaching yourself. And that is what I like all my clients to learn, but that's what I want this podcast also to teach you is how to coach yourself. Cognitive reappraisal is your ability to reframe the meaning of a situation to change its emotional impact. This could be considered a top-down approach for emotional well-being. Part of the reason why I think coaching is so great is that, let's say, you know, a program is three months. For three months, you get to see what you could be doing for yourself. <laughs> you get to see what does it look like when I am my own cheerleader? What does it sound like when I have a hard hand with myself, when I slap myself back into line, but with love and compassion, not criticism and swear words. Coaching yourself is an amazing gift. Applying this type of technique, cognitive reappraisal, requires you to simply ask yourself expanding questions, ones that open your mind up. 
Okay, one of the themes that you've noticed probably is that in order to become empowered, it is vital to be able to see things from higher ground, to be able to take the long picture into account, to get out of your own way, to be objective. Feeling disempowered happens when all you can see is the pain, struggle, and tragedy before you. You get tunnel vision about it. We think that's how it's always going to be. And then all you care about is ending the suffering in that moment, which means temporary solutions like drinking, food, dieting, overworking, sex, drugs, you name it. Asking yourself powerful questions that expand your mind is a way to shift perspective, and that leads to actual lasting change. Let's look at what a few of my favorite questions are to get you out of your own way. These are ones that I use, so see which ones you like, maybe write them down. First, imagine a friend was telling you the exact same story about their life or situation. What other perspectives could you offer them? What other angles are there if you remove any labels of good and bad? Take the morality out of it. Just be really neutral about the facts. What, what might somebody else think about it? What's the lesson, perhaps, or the wisdom to be gained? We've all had that friend call us up with a shitty situation, and they want us to help them feel better. And you do. Be that friend, but for yourself. My next suggestion takes a little bit more digging. Can you identify what is the primary belief that you are clinging to in your story? Maybe it's something like, everything's my fault, I'm not lovable, or I'm a failure. Can you think of what the opposite belief would be? And generally, there are a few main parent beliefs that all of our story babies stem from. So ask yourself, if I believe the opposite was true, that nothing's my fault, that I am lovable, and that I can be successful at anything I want, what would change about your story? And then what kind of steps and actions would you take from there? And I know somebody might be rolling their eyes thinking, well, nothing can, nothing can't ever be your fault. But just pretend for a minute that what if nothing was my fault? How would that change your story? And that's all we're looking for. It doesn't, the stories aren't true, remember. They're just stories. So you can think whatever you want. All I'm looking for in this example is to get you outside of what limited um, perspective that you are seeing things through because of these beliefs. And then you know that, okay, those actions that I thought I could take from that new belief, you know, I could actually just take those actions right now. Okay, it just really opens your mind. As long as you're willing to deal with and feel whatever is on the other side of those choices. And that's often what stops people. They know the actions they could take, but they're worried about how they're going to feel on the other side of it and if they can handle it. But given that you are someone who listens to my podcast and you're going to become a freaking master of your emotions and emotional ninja warrior, I know for sure that whatever decisions you make, you are going to get to a place where you trust that you can handle whatever feeling is on the other side of it. I know that that can happen because that is what happened for me. Okay, lastly, sorry, I got very passionate all of a sudden there. Okay, last um, 
question example that you could use for cognitive reappraisal is to find somewhere quiet and ask yourself these four words. What would love say? What would love say? Mostly the first perspective or story that your brain is going to offer you is one that stems from fear and protection. It's more of a what would fear say question. We all know what fear says. It says a lot of things that keep us stuck. It says mean things. And really it says things to get us to retreat and go back into the cave. Your brain plays a defensive game against the danger that it is to be fully alive and engaged in your life. It wants to suggest to you stories that often cause retreat back in the cave, like I said. But you, as a conscious mind who notices what your brain is offering you, can suggest some counter-arguments with more of an offensive energy, as in a story that works in your favor. How does my situation right now assist in my growth? That's what love wants you to understand. Love wants you to expand and grow, go on adventures, be open-hearted and open-minded. Empowered stories serve the purpose of helping you to feel in control, capable, and moving forward. And listen, it's okay to be scared and still move forward. Feeling empowered or fueled by a sense of love does not mean that you are devoid of all resistant or negative emotions. It's quite the opposite. You have welcomed now all of your feelings. You're giving them a space at your table. Remember, though, it is your table. You are at the head of it, and you are in charge. Emotions are like guests. They come, they dine, they spill a wine glass or two, and then they leave. Let them. I absolutely love cognitive reappraisal, of course, because I do know through consistent practice, it is life-changing. Your brain is a highly intelligent Frickin' incredible tool. So put it to work. Use that imagination with a purpose. But only after you have validated and acknowledged how you feel. Otherwise, you're going to have a real struggle to believe anything that's new with all of these kind of resistant negative emotions brewing under the surface or if you are in a state of a triggered nervous system. Your brain, yes is hell-bent on finding problems. Okay, that's what it does. But only because it is so dedicated to finding solutions. I like to think brains are solution-finding machines. Your brain is wired, always looking forward, always looking for the way through or for the way out. How it thinks so far is wired in, so you do need lots of practice and repetition if you want to rewire how your brain thinks naturally. Neural habits are built very slowly over time. Remember that critical factor I talked about in part one? So that requires that you gently but firmly present it with consistent information. In this case, empowering stories and then the actions that you take from those empowering stories. That way, you're backing everything up with evidence as to why it's true. And you're going to use that vision of your future and how amazing it will feel, like we talked about. Think of yourself like a lawyer pleading a case. Every time the judge rules against you, 
You file an appeal and then you come back with a stronger, tighter case. Maybe you try to paint the picture of what a positive verdict would do for your client, how it would change their life, give them another chance and a fresh start. This is how you should approach dealing with your critical factor. With each new piece of your argument that goes into the file, and eventually there is just too much to deny that yes, indeed, that empowered story is true. And if it's giving you a great result in your life that makes you feel good, it's going to feel even more true. Because remember, what is familiar becomes safe. Because repetition builds trust with your subconscious. The more familiar something becomes through repetition, the more the brain accepts it as true. This is one of its biases. It's programmed to work that way. It's also great to listen to meditations, maybe, on confidence, self-worth, um, determination, asking for what you need, like using your voice, anything really that is related to the empowering stories that you want to live your life by, specifically first thing in the morning or before bed because your subconscious mind is most open to suggestion in those times because it's in a theta wave state. Okay, I really hope that I've explained thoroughly enough those three steps and how to apply them. If you need, because I know it was a lot of information, please go back and just re-listen. The last thing that I do want to leave you with, and I kind of teased you with the idea of embracing stuckness at the end of part one of this episode, is that sometimes, indeed, you will feel like zero empowering stories are available. You cannot see the altered perspective, the lesson, or the higher ground. In these cases, can you just exist in the middle? Can you just give yourself permission to let go of the story that you're in, to feel what is there, and allow for a state of limbo? Admittedly, this is a state of confusion, which is very uncomfortable. Brains do not like confusion. A lot of people experience overwhelm in confusion because they are racking their brain trying to figure out a way through. But the resisting confusion only creates more mental stress and more suffering, which makes using your cognitive abilities to figure things out like less powerful. Believing that there is an answer that you are too stupid or incompetent to uncover is a story in and of itself. You have to remember that confusion is a feeling. It's a concept. And it's created by stories and thoughts that sound like, I am confused. <laughs> or I don't know. I can't figure it out. Of course, if you think those things, you're going to feel confused. So why not welcome confusion as a step in the process, as a gift full of possibilities? Like to know something that leaves no room for exploration. It's final. It's not bad, but it does mean case closed and then you're on to the next piece of the puzzle. And you will get to the next piece of the puzzle. I have no doubts about that. But when that happens, I don't know. And to be honest, neither do you. But we think that we do, right? So then when we find ourselves in confusion, it's because we think we should be further along or somewhere else than we are currently. But what if confusion is exactly where you're supposed to be? There is um, the book Dune turned into a movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's incredible. I 
love it so much. There's so many good lines in it. And there is an incredible quote that I want to read to you. It says, the mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. A process cannot be understood by stopping it. Understanding must move with the flow of the process. It must join it and flow with it. Trust that your mind has it all under control in its own time, working away in the background, and clarity will come, I promise. I cannot tell you how many times I've been trying to remember something or figure something out, and I say to myself, you know what, I just got to let that go for a bit. And two days later, I am driving in my car, singing a song, completely distracted, thinking about whatever. And it's like whatever that piece of information that I was trying to drag out of my file folder in my brain hits me like a bug on the windshield. And I just all of a sudden there it is. And I think, wow, like my little mind is just back there. I imagine my mind like having a bunch of workers back there always like figuring things out for me. So when you can't figure something out, like you feel confused, just set it aside and trust that like beyond my 5% of my conscious awareness, there's a bunch of my mind that is working on that for me. And until that clarity comes, I'm going to make time for rest. I'm going to nourish my body with nutritious and delicious food. I'm going to get some fresh air and exercise and spend time doing fun things with people I love. Like focus on what is in your control. Relaxation is the antidote to confusion. I really hope and expect that this episode is leaving you feeling empowered, knowing that the wisdom to inform your feelings and the strength required to take control of your choices is only a story away. Your stories are your superpower. So much love to you. I'll talk to you next time.